日本史学習に最高にもってこいのサイトサムライアーカイブスポッドキャストへようこそ美しい自然にあふれてる縄文時代から波乱万丈な幕末まで全時代を網羅して日本史の隅から隅まで一緒に語り合いましょうでは早速日本史の世界へ Hey, welcome back to the Samurai Archives podcast and part two of the Sengoku Daimyo Domain as Political State.、Uh, so, I, I think all of this does harken back to, to the original question of the, the domain as the, the daimyo's domain as loosely put nation state. Because if we assume that if for no other reason, for practical reasons, that most daimyo did not envision conquering Japan, however that was defined, Exactly at that time. Then we have to assume that most of them, for the most part, for practical terms, wanted to maintain something like the status quo. They didn't want to see their neighbors get too big.、Um, but on the same token, they, they may simply lack the resources or even the confidence to expand too great. So, that being the case, one almost has to imagine them thinking of themselves as being individual political entities. However, much they may have shared with their neighbors.、Um, that which almost makes analogies difficult.、Um, that it's almost as if the emperor, in a way, the, the, the idea of the emperor, it was almost like a shared religion. In the same way that the Greek city states may have had, they had, they had a shared culture and they had a shared religion, and yet Sparta was very much Sparta, Athens was very much Athens. But I wonder if there's something similar at work there. Or, or a more contemporary example would be the Italian city states of the Renaissance、mm, right, period, where right, they all. Shared a relationship with、uh, the Pope as the head of the church、uh, and a shared religion, shared、uh, language, shared language yeah, but they were all very much individual and, and, and、uh, fought with each other. Yes. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, I don't know that much about the intricacies of the Italy or, or Italian or German situation, but I feel like that's a pretty good, you know, I mean, the whole Holy Roman Empire, right, was the emperor ruling over. A whole bunch of like smaller kind of city states and、uh, whatever smaller、mm-hmm. states. I、yeah. don't know the ins and outs of how it worked, but anyway.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I think it's just it's interesting and useful to think, to just acknowledge that our assumption about Japan existing,、right. or this being a civil war within Japan,、right. you know, that just not, not to say that's definitely untrue or completely untrue, but just to kind of question what other. Visions we might be able to think about. you know, And we spoke in, in a previous podcast about certain Edo period daimyo writing about their perceptions, their understandings of politics, and talking about,、um, I believe it was Uesugi Harunori, or、uh, yeah, Harunori, who spoke about you know, his domain in Yonezawa being like, you know,、uh, you know when, you, when you go to Edo, You know, when you're outside the domain or when you're in Edo, you, know, you observe the shogun's rules and you pay him respect. And when you're in the domain, you follow, you know, we, we, we do our own thing. Right. And we follow our own rules, we make our own rules. And he spoke a lot about the responsibility of the daimyo to his people, which was、um, kind of incredible for the time, I think. But,、um, or Confucian. Or Confucian, that's true. So maybe it's not so incredible. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. But、uh, anyway, but just that idea of the domain as its own, its own thing, its own separate space within which you make your own laws and you have your own Confucian obligations to your own people. you know. And certainly within the Edo period, and, and I would assume even more so earlier, you have regional differences that make people think, like, oh, you know, those guys out in Kagoshima, they're not like us. Right. Different、certainly. accent and、uh, different, different foods、mm-hmm. and different everything. Well, and, and I mean, I think you see this, see, see that manifest itself even in、um, the daimyo who were able to re, you know, break out of their own specific area and, and create a larger, larger control, area of control. I mean, if you look at、um, uh, Oda Nobunaga's you know, retainer band, the, the senior and the most、um, you know, inner circle were all. People with him from the beginning, from Owari, where he started.、Mm. And as he grew, he gathered in, and he, you know, first he took,、uh, took in the, the remnants of the, the Saito、uh, who, who were left. Yeah. yeah.、Um, and、uh, 
you know, Inari Ketsumitsuhide, Ando Yoshinari, those guys. And they kind of formed the next circle around, but they were never quite as important as the ones who were with him from the beginning. Like some of them found to their to their detriment. But then you know, and as he he expanded out, he was you know for all the the image of him as somebody who who just destroyed his enemies and blah blah blah, he was always very willing to take you know as long as they agreed to do whatever he told them to do. You know, they could. They came into the Oda framework, um, but it was very hierarchical, and it and it had a lot to do with regionality. Sure. And that those who started out with him, um, to the point, to even to the point where, if you look at his relationship with Tokugawa Ieyasu, who there's a lot of question and debate of did they have a did they did they have a daimyo retainer relationship? Did they have a equal yeah. a a senior junior partnership? Did they have you know what what, what kind of was a relationship? And but they were close enough that even though they quote unquote were from different domains, you know, Ieyasu being from Mikawa, Nobunaga being from Owari, I mean, they crossed paths. Different times as children, with the different with Iyasu right. being in captivity in Awari for a while, um, and they kind of shared the same. Uh, you know, it'd be like if you grew up in the next town over, we would have traveled the same roads. Roads, we would know the same restaurants. We would, we would, right. you know, have that common ground where even though you weren't from my town, we're from the same place. As we're expanding right. out and covering more national territory, you have a much closer relationship to me than somebody from, say, you know, Echizen or whatever. So, um, right. yeah, it's interesting how that how that plays in. Let's say this does strike me that when let's look at it, like the individual domains, how they're perceived. We'll take again the Takeda. Now, when you looked at one wonders when you looked at the Takeda, did you see it as big? This is the Takeda clan domain. Or are you really saying this is the land that Takeda Shingen, the individual, controls? I, I think oh, there's yeah. something of a distinction that, that maybe there it could be an important distinction there when we do look at the concept of them as being entities or states. Sure, sure. That, I mean, that's something that for me, it, it depends on what context I'm looking at them in. Mm -hmm. um, when I was looking at external relationships, so primarily through a realist slash liberal, neoliberalist. Uh, viewpoint and, and again, when I say liberal, that's an international relations theory, political theory term, not a, not the you know, Democrats are liberal and Republicans are conservative meaning of the term. When I, you know, I, the, the focus is external, mm -hmm. so I'm looking at Takeda Shingen as the head of state for mm -hmm. his state being a domain, his you know, his holdings being his a a, a state, mm -hmm. a a independent political in entity. Sure. But when you look at it from a more constructivist view, which is what I'm trying to approach it at now, looking at the domestic issues, it does break down into, um, you know, sure, he's the head of state, but he does not have complete control over everything. I mean, different areas are delegated down. And so, you know, if, if the Baba hold lands in Kai, in this section of Kai, then while they fall underneath Shingen and, and they are responsible for following the rules that he sets as a state um, or as you know the head of the Takeda family then but they are also setting their own local regulations in the area that they control so it almost mirrors down from a you know if you if you look at either Hideyoshi or during the Tokugawa uh, period you have the national quote-unquote government in the, in the Bakufu and they're setting national policy. They're setting policy for all of the Japanese territory that they control, the, the archipelago. Right. But the individual daimyo have control over their own domains. This, this right. actually works at the daimyo level as well, mm -hmm. um, where you know the Takeda or some or the Usugi in you know Yonezawa right. in the Edo period have control of their own territory, and they are responsible for meeting some guidelines set forth by the power above them. Yep. Yeah, they also set set guns to people below them. Right, and 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 subdomains. Right. So for so like for the Takeda example, you know whatever the the regulations were, whatever you know Shingen set forth is 
by giving you this domain, you're responsible for providing me 700 soldiers on the battlefield and of, of such and such type. You, you owe me taxes of such and such percentage calculated off of, you know, your land holdings are worth X, X amount of koku, right. and you have to give me this percentage of it. Now, I mean, yeah, I mean, so th there's that, and then, then Bala then is going to take it at his level and go, okay, you know, Suzuki Masanari, who is my, you know, right-hand man, I'm going to give you this village mm -hmm. underneath me, and you're responsible for giving me, right. you know, three soldiers out of the 700 I have to give right. to the army, yeah. to Shingen's army, you have to give me three of them. And you have to give me, you know, a hundred bushels of rice that I then give forty of those to Shingen yeah. and pass on, you know, right. and so forth. But so. I think I think the question of of whether it's sort of like ancestral clan land or whether it's just one guy like the land that this one guy happens to own is I think a really important, interesting question. I mean, like what did they consider it as at the time and therefore how should we consider it, right? Because by by the some point in the 18th or 19th century, I'm sure the Uesugi were like, yeah, we've been living in Yonezawa for many generations, and we're cool, and we this is our place. But I'm sure that at the beginning of the Edo period, they were like, we we're not belonging to Yonezawa. Like, we don't want to be all the way up here. We yeah. What, 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 you know, like, what are you what are you telling us? We have to be up here. You know, we, we had our lands down in in Echigo. Or, thank you, yeah. Echigo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, um, and so, and, and and I'm sure that a lot of these Sengoku daimyo are coming from having at some point been appointed out there by the Ashikaga or the Minamoto. Um, and it's not, you know, I mean, at, obviously at some point it's, it becomes your ancestral land because you've been there for a while. Or but, they're, but, they are usurping the position of the appointee. So like that, in, in the case of the Oda that. taking the Shiba. Um, I'm sure that's a possibility as well. You know, or the Saito taking the Toki. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, you've been living there for a long time. This is your ancestral land, but in other t in other cases, it's your right. ancestral lands in the sense that you've lived. Your you know your family's been there for many generations, but not in the sense of ownership. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, well, that's but I'm, saying, but I'm saying if you're overthrowing the the sh the shugo, right, then you've you've been there for you know so you're taking ownership. But if you are the shugo. Then you know you don't have any like you haven't been there for a long time. You don't care about this place. You don't know your way around. You've just it been appointed out here. It's a case by case thing because you know the, shu so the, the Shimazu so were Shugo of of well yes, but they've been there for ages. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's a case right. by case. Right. right. It's, it's, yeah. But I'm just saying I'm sure there were people who were appointed out there in like the 1500s or 1530s or 1540s or something. Yeah. And then they were like, well. So just that, that but I, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, it is case by case, obviously. But the Takeda, I think the Takeda are, are, are kind of an interesting example. Not just, well, if you look at, uh, we're talking about retainer bands and uh, using the example of Oda Nobunaga and his initial retainers, uh, the, his old his old school retainers, you know, always held a, a high, high, you know, Held, held the most power within within their clan. Uh, if you look at the Takeda, you, you notice that by 1570-1572, most of his top generals are actually residing outside of Kai. You have Baba's at Fukashi, if memory serves me right. Uh, Naito is in all the way at Kozuke, and, and Kosaka is in Kaizu, and Yamagata is down in, in Suruga. So that it seems to be that maybe I. The Shingen's ability, or the ability, as Daniel almost seems to be successful. Daniel needed to have the authority to uproot men and say, mm -hmm. "You Certainly. control this. Like we're going to take you from your ancestral lands in Kai, where maybe you've been for the last 200, 300 years, and, and for for my reasons, for strategic reasons, I'm going to drop you through the province." And uh, that uh, now, on the other hand, you have the flip side of the example of Rokoku, who, who there's there's documentation of repeatedly having to. Uh, basically, come to agreements with his retain with the retainers as to how much authority the daimyo actually had, um, and uh, so it's. I, I would I would say the flip side of your Takeda example, mm -hmm. though, is he would not be able to do that without selling that to his retainers as a advantage to them. Mm 
Mm-hmm. As um, in, as in, like, uh, as in, don't end up like my son Yoshinobu. Well, that, do what I say. That too. <laughs> well, or I'm giving that you too. better land. But well. I'm giving you more land. I'm giving yeah. you better land. I'm, I'm placing you in a position of responsibility by pushing, by putting mm-hmm. you in Suruga, which we've just conquered. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you can see Fuji from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, a, but uh, on property. Yeah. <laughs> Um, along the Takedo. Um, but, but on that, briefly I'd interject that I'll, even if it's more land, uh, he's also putting them out there. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you are now my buffer states. You know, yeah. Kosaka, you stand or fall with with um, Kaizu Castle. You know? right. Whereas, if we imagine that the retainers looked at the daimyo to provide them with greater security, you would assume that, you know, I want to sit in Kai, you know, and have and two miles. You're actually removing security yeah. from well, it them. Depends on how you, it it depends them. on how you define security. If you're, if you're defining it as, you know, Simply protection from from external mm-hmm. military pressure, then then perhaps. But if it's, I'm going to give you a castle, and I'm going to give you all your land that you can develop your own economy around that castle, and I give you the guarantee that if the Usugi come down the pipe and are and are mm-hmm. barreling down at you to take your you know to take you out, I'm going to be behind you with fifteen thousand more men to come reinforce you and protect you. So I, I mean I think I, I get I understand your point about security, but I think from a from that um, from the standpoint of one of the retainers, being given the the independence to manage your own area, but also the the assurance that if there's a trouble, you're going to get the backing of the greater domain mm-hmm. you know, at, at at your at your call. Um, I, I think it's um, it's it's kind of a, a, a microcosm example of what later happens with uh, with Oda Nobunaga and his own him you know him uh, being really the first uh, daimyo that takes over enough land that he can subcontract daimyo in the sense where he can say okay Hideyoshi you're going to it, it's not just you know you're going to have this castle and the, and, and the villages around it it's mm-hmm. you get the 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 sanyodo mm-hmm. and you you you're responsible from you know uh, himeji all the way through however far back we can push the mori uh mitsuhide you're responsible for the sanyodo and you get you get tama province and you know as far back and and he basically um almost had if you if you use it in modern um, you know concepts, he had theater commanders, which reported to him as the supreme commander. But he did not necessarily micromanage their mm-hmm. campaigns. He, you know, said, "Hey, Shimata Katsie, you go take you know you you start in Echizen, but you push your way up and take as much as you can along the Hokuriku. And when you have problems, come tell me, and I'll send people to help you. But that's yours. Run with it." Mm-hmm. Um, and the security there is in the giving the resources to enable them to do to to be successful in that. So yeah. I think the the point that I'm kind of hung up on, I thought I'm kind of going back to something different, but um, just going back to this idea of of ancestral lands or whatever. Um, I feel like to use a board game analogy, you have a game like like Risk or I think I'm not sure I haven't played Samurai Shorts in a long time but anyway but the basic idea is is the question of whether we're looking at the daimyo as you know I've got some land doesn't really matter where it is I've got some land this is my land because I have it and I'm going to expand out of there and if I lose this land it's okay because i got other land you know whatever like sure like in Risk where you start wherever and you expand to wherever and then you have a situation like the board of game, the, the the board game of Game of Thrones, where you are the Stark family and you are from Winterfell. Okay. This is your land, and to, and, to interject and admittedly that. in the game, it doesn't matter what you. It, as long as you control enough castles at the end, it doesn't matter if you still control your home castle. You still okay, win. but there's a much stronger feeling of like which land is is yours and you want to it, keep it's it. It's the same way in um, the the Total War series. Regardless of which game you're playing, but because this is a Japanese history podcast, I'll use Shogun Total War. Um, you know, if if you start out as say uh, the Oda, there's a in, in addition to conquering. You know, you have to conquer depending on what game settings you set it on. 
40 of the 60 provinces of Japan by such and such, by 1600 or whatever it is, yeah, whatever right? It is to win the game. Whatever it is to, and then if you do that, you win the game. In addition to that, there are certain provinces that you have to have control of. And no matter who you are, you have to have control of Kyoto. Sure. But in addition to that, you have to control your own starting province as mm. your ancestral province or whatever. Oh. So if you're the Hojo, you have to have control of Sagami. No matter what happens, you have you know right. you can't get pushed out of Sagami, but you conquer forty other provinces and win the game. You have to go back yeah. and get control of Sagami. Now, I, I, does that actually apply when we're looking historically at, at Daimyo? For some, oh. yes. For some, yeah, I'm sure maybe it's, not. It's case by case. Um, where did where, where did Hojo Soon come from? He came from another part of the country, right? Or he hailed from uh, Kyoto. Kyoto, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was from Kyoto. Um, and managed to get himself. Out to he, 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 had, was like, uh, he had family in with. Well, he Imago. started in Izu. Yeah, he had he had family right, in Izu. So, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of where he started. And he was so, yeah, able to sort is, of yeah. expand. Yeah, because they they were next to um, they were next to Izu in Suruga. Yeah. So he kind of mm. you know used his family connections in Suruga to right. build a base to then take over Izu and then moved into Sagami. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean I'm sure it's totally case by case as we were talking about before, but it just it's an interesting aspect for me. Um, now when I mentioned the example of the Takeda and the Takeda generals being given um, strategically located castles, sure, and that yet yeah, perhaps they were personally they they were personally enriched by that, but now. Clearly, they saw the situation as very fluid. They said, well, I've been here in Kai for 200 years. Now I'm kind of, I'm out in Kozuki. Um, so one wonders if the daimyo themselves, if we could do ultimately consider little daimyo, bigger daimyo, bigger daimyo. Mm -hmm. um, the situation is the same. And the reason that I bring it up is that, again, if we are talking about these domains as being individual states, uh, individual states usually aren't that fluid. You kind of have your core, and then you build outward from it. Yeah, for the most part. That's very true. The UN isn't going to say, hey, Namibia, all of a sudden you're going to swap places with Rwanda. Right, right. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to the governor of Alabama and say, you know, you and all of your staff now have, like, you know, land in Texas or something. And for the most or, part. Or, hey, you've done a great job. We're going to give you Louisiana, too. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, well, no one, because no one will want Louisiana. <sighs> Don't mind me. <laughs> So again, I, I, just to harken back to the original point, as states, one wonders, one almost wonders if, if we can't even necessarily define what J Japan was as an entity in the 16th century, one wonders how to define the realm, or, or the domain rather, mm. uh, as, as an entity. That, you know, presumably, yeah, Nobunaga's like, well, obviously I can't lose Hawaii, you know, that's just would be bad form. But, I, I, you know, one wonders that, could he? I mean, he ultimately gave it to somebody else to, to, to look after him. He's on moving to Well, his, his, his son. Right. But, um, so it stayed in the family, so it, to it speak. Did stay, it, it certainly it did stay in the family. But um, and no, I just thought it's interesting that... Um, well, I, I remember Mary, uh, Mary Berry, I think it was, um, in her Hideyoshi. I'm sure everybody's read that. Um, discussing moving around to Kishimutsuhiri a mm -hmm. bunch of times. And that I'm positing that that was basically to prevent him from getting too powerful. If I remember the text right, well, I'm sorry, I mean, for, um, preventing him from getting too well entrenched mm. in any given area. Um, and so one wonders again to even if you're Baba and you you make more money now, basically if you're if you're stationed at Fukashi, you are losing that freedom. You are losing the ability to draw roots in a way. You're mm. you're you're going to maybe a potentially hostile population. And certainly Make people at Shinano had no love for the Takeda. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'm gonna keep you busy, you know, for the next ten years, you know, whipping these people into line. And again, even if they were technically being enriched by it, it might still be a very hard sell. So uh, I, I do think it's interesting on in a case what would give an individual daimyo the legitimacy for to to move powerful men from their homes elsewhere, and maybe if Shingen had taken over more provinces, he moved them again. Uh, some of the some of his men were moved. Would have had times. to eventually, right? Um, I I, I, I mean, that's an interest, very interesting point. I, I what I would say is number one, that's why I would stop the definition of state mm -hmm. at the independent daimyo level. I would not go any further and say that, you know, each retainer of the daimyo, like Baba and Fukashi, had his own 
um, mini state. Mini state. Mm-hmm. Because at that point you're losing independence right. from the equation. Um, so obviously during the Sengoku, it's not really an issue because um, outside of individual daimyo families, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's picking up Oda Nobunaga and moving him anywhere. He is independent. He's doing it with it internally. But that falls under, if, if you define Oda Nobunaga as a head of the Oda state, he's doing that internally. And there's nobody outside that's, that's, that's controlling that um, necessarily. Now, where, so I, I think it works for the Sengoku period. Now, where it kind of starts to, you have to throw in some caveats, is when you start looking at Hideyoshi and then into the Edo period uh, with the Tokugawa moving people around. Um, could, you know, the, the Tokugawa move the Usugi from Echigo to Yonezawa can we say that they're an independent state underneath a larger Tokugawa political framework, or or are they depend? I mean, right, to me, right. they're dependent states. You can still they still have enough of the criteria for for being a state in my mind. And, and I, right, I, I mean, I actually have the you know there's a there was a conference in Montevideo, Uruguay, in 1933 that gave a definition of what a state is, which is a defined territory, a permanent population, a government, and a capacity to enter into relations with other states. Right, yeah. So Classic some of that we're going to... A permanent population, if, right. if they're picking, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to suspend that sort of in the time period that we're talking about because we're talking. Well, who were we talking about? We're not talking about the peasantry. We're talking about the elites, the military elites of, of who controlled had political power. But that would be the government, right? And a, a, a capacity to enter into relations with other states. Baba at Fukashi did not have the capacity to independently enter into relationships with other. Outside the Takeda mm. domain, or things could sure. go very bad. For or him. things <laughs> could go very badly for yeah. him. And I'm not sure the Edo daimyo had that much power either. Right. Right. Well, I mean, as, as far as the Edo period is concerned, though, what about the Shimazu? As far as their control over Okinawa, that in, in a way they're sort of. That's but, a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, w- well, the question for would be: Was that done with the authority of the Tokugawa, or did they do that? They did that with the permission of Ieyasu. Okay. So. Um, technically speaking, then technically it's speaking, under the Tokugawa. Yeah, it was under Tokugawa, but I think authority. Yeah, and I think with Okinawa, it's very much a sort of like ladder hierarchical kind of situation, mm-hmm. where you have you have the Ryukyu Kingdom under Satsuma, right? The shogunate was ne- basically never ever told Ryukyu what to do, right? In any way, Ryukyu was told what to do by by Satsuma, and they paid taxes to Satsuma. Satsuma paid taxes to Tokugawa, you know? Right. And and then at the bottom, you have places like Yonaguni and Miyako who are paying taxes to Okinawa. Okinawa. And being told what to do by Okinawa. So you have this sort of ladder structure. Um, and there's sort of... I, I, I have a hard time believing that it's so straightforward, but a lot of scholars say that the word Yamato, that's to say Yamato, in, Jap- in Okinawan text... Which means the mainland Japanese. ...refers to Satsuma. Oh, specifically. Because in, in current Okinawan yeah, currently uh, Yamato means that means mainland Japanese. Right, right. They say either Yamato or they say Naichi. Or Naicha. Or Naicha is a person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Naichi is a, is a place. Yeah. And so, but yeah, so anyway, that, that association of, of Satsuma as if it was all of Japan, as if it's the only part of Japan that matters, I think in that respect, Satsuma is definitely acting like something, a state. A a suzerain, a sovereign. Sure, no, but something. one that had that has that status because they have the authority of the Tokugawa over them. Right. Say, I mean, even if it's just a yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead, do whatever you want. Right. Somebody above them has said right. Yes. Sure, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So I, I, I mean, I think that's and where so it gets murky. It's murky. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at it from mm-hmm. IR theory, which right. I'm going to do, so bear with me. Um, it's much like, you know, a, an independent state now has the authority to do what it wants. However, it's good to get permission. It's good to go to like, you know, well, to 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 get 
not necessarily permission, but international backing. International backing, international approval from, like, say, the UN or right. whatever regional. You know, if it's right. you know ASEAN, if you're in Southeast Asia or whatever, yeah. because then you have more authority to do what you're doing. You know, a, a state like North Korea can do things and say, you know, screw you to the international community, but they, things don't go too well for them. I think that's kind of, at least in the, yeah, Hideyoshi, you know, before we get into the Tokugawa period, I think that's a, a good analogy, is that, um, mm -hmm. you know, the individual daimyo could, could act independently if they chose to, but it was not in their best interest to do so right. because of the external international quote-unquote pressure. Yeah. I um, think it would be interesting to look at, and I haven't looked at it in too much depth, but look at the internal operations, or for lack of a better word, the internal political structures of Satsuma domain um, in the Edo period, because I think that in a lot of ways it works very similarly to a microcosm of the of all Tokugawa Japan. Sure. Because you have subdomains, they have other castles, which most domains didn't, right? They had multiple castles, they had some domains, they had something resembling Sanking Kotai, sending people to and from Kagoshima right. um, before the Tokugawa even started doing it. So, you know, in that respect, if Tokugawa Japan can be a state, then Shimazu can be a state, or vice versa, or something. Well, I, I mean, again, it comes down to the independence right. of it and, and right. how you choose yeah. to attack yeah. that. And I think, um, I mean, I think we can pretty plainly say that any one of these domains is not a state in, in, in the fully in the same way that Choson Dynasty Korea is a state. Right. Um, um, I mean, they were not interacting. Some people were. Right. Some, particularly in the, right. in the Sengoku period, some domains were interacting with other foreign countries right. on their own. Right. You know, well, but, it, it but depends. The fact that you're under the shogun, who's well, or or Hiyoji, who or whoever, who's under the emperor, you know, adds these extra layers that you're not yeah. really. An it also it depends state. on how you define what the international system is. If we're looking at the international system encompassing the game board of Japan, then they're all independent states. During the Sengoku period, they're all independent states doing, you know, right. uh, act, acting independently in their own in their own interests. If you expand that to include the rest of Asia or even right. the rest of the world, because we've got the Portuguese and right. the Dutch coming in and, and and so on and so forth, then it complicates matters. And I, and, and I think it breaks down a little bit. Yeah, because because you have. That, like you have Dante Masamune sending his own envoys across yeah. to the to Europe and and, yeah, and you have, so on. And you so have the Ouchi and the Hosokawa, if I have the right name, family names, fighting over um, access to the Chinese sure, yeah. um, trade, and you have a gazillion people, mainly in Kyushu, I think, trading with Ryukyu, trading with Korea, trading with Thailand, trading with everybody independently right. for their own personal or right. economic benefit. Right. But it doesn't. It does not mean that the idea of them being states is useless. I mean, it serves a certain purpose. Well, again, I do. I do wonder. Go back again to the the question of perception at the time. If we are talking about mm -hmm, states, right. like now, a state in theory is its own legitimacy. For example, presumably one goes to fight not for a given president, but we go fight for our country. That the state has its own legitimacy, regardless of who who runs it. Now, clearly, this was not exactly the case in the 16th century. That, uh, now, again, should we look at the Takeda, say in 1572, as that is the Takeda domain, or should we say that's Takeda Shingen's domain? Takeda Shingen is the authority. Takeda mm -hmm. Shingen is the legitimacy. And as long as he doesn't completely screw up, we're going to follow what he has to say. But you know what? If he dies and his son turns out to be not so good, well, we're not really bound by any sense of loyalty to a state per se, to to the Takeda, because they're not. He's not holding up his end of the bargain. Or to Kai, you know, or to Kai. That, that, yeah. In other words, I mean, that, I think this is this is the, you know, where because I I, I use in in the, the paper that I've written and probably the paper that I'm about to write, I'll I'll use the term domain because for for lack of a better term, so to speak. Right. Um, but. This is where it's you know you're you're right. They're not loyal to Kai, 
this isn't even fasting, you know, going fast forward to the uh, uh, to the Bakumatsu period where you have Choshu and Tosa and Satsuma, and people are talking about geographic locations right. as their affiliation. Right. You know, this is the 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 Takeda retainers were loyal to the Takeda family in name, but only as far as the leadership of Shingen and then Katsuyori took them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of actually what, you know, what interests me about looking at it from a uh, constructivist viewpoint, because there is no necessary reason why they had to follow the next guy retainer that came along. And we see that happen where they don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, technically speaking, Oda Nobunaga dies. Is you know, no, his son yeah, Nobutada was, dies as as, 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 as well. It should have been one of the two remaining brothers who were sons of, of Nobunaga, and Hideyoshi manufactures the situation so that the grandson, who's an infant, Some is person. is named the heir. And you know, by a year later, everybody's forgotten about him and is is you know following Hideyoshi. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 not a one-for-one -one correlation. It, it's like any analytical tool. You have to under you have to look at how you're using it. I think if you look at daimyo individual daimyo as head of states and their motivations for doing things, I think it's a useful analytical tool. Now, yeah. if you if you try to bring in incorporating the concept of the people or or citizens of a state, then yeah. There, there are none. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess I wonder: is there a distinction between what we would think of as a state and let's imagine the daimyo is basically we have a strong man here and we have a bunch of like guys under him who, who, for whatever reason, have elected to follow him, and they're very fluid. Everybody's fluid. Uh, the capital might move around. The daimyo, the individual generals might be moved. I don't know, you term generals, but the retainers might be moved here right. and there and so forth, and. So that whilst, in a way, it looks like a state, again, what it essentially is is almost just, it's a band of individuals, in a way. It's a tent government. <laughs> right. It, it's basically a, a tent government of, of like-minded individuals. <laughs> <you know>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but on the other hand, I guess, in a practical, can we still see it as a state in practical terms, in the sense that they have their own laws, ultimately. Hmm. They develop their own laws. They have their own system, uh, maybe their own customs, and, and so forth. And uh, may maybe it's all sort of semantic, but I do think uh, it's. I think it depends on on what kind of state you're trying to compare it to. I mean, obviously, it's going to be very different than, say, the United States as a mm -hmm. as a nation state, you know, independent right. uh, polity. Um, but let's 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 apply it to something like North Korea, where you have a strong man. Who is in charge? You know, a dictator, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everybody underneath him follows him uh, for ver for one reason or another, um, and he maintains power because any dissenting opinion is not strong enough to overcome the majority who benefit by following him. So in that sense, it's very similar to, uh, say, the Takeda or, or the Oda or, or mm. whomever, who Takeda Shingen was powerful because of the strength of his retainers choosing to follow him. Mm -hmm. And had they decided, no, nah, we're not going to follow you, what was he going to do about it? Nothing. Mm -hmm. He has to maintain their buy-in and their support um, through whether it's giving them land, whether it's showing exceptional leadership and, you know, the promise of raising his banners in Kyoto, or whatever it is, right? Uh, you know, ancestral ties. My father followed Takeda. You know, yeah. Nobu, whatever. In you know, for the last five hundred years. So therefore, I'm doing whatever that tie is. There's a tie there that keeps him in control, and they don't get to vote about it. So, you know, that 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 I think makes it. Um, you know, a, an equitable comparison as a state, right. whereas if you were looking at it in terms of, you know, well, the United States is a state, because, but but we have, you know, then you're focusing more on the, the people as the primary right. referent for, for the state, that, you know, that's who right. Right. controls ultimately things. We have a, a say in what we do. 
um, as, as, as a nation by electing our officials. Well, then, and it, you know, Shingen didn't get elected, so it, it, that comparison breaks down, certainly. I wonder, I wonder what terms they might have used at the time, because I think when, we're talk, when we talk about Edo period, when we talk about the question of domains as states in the Edo period, Mark Ravina and other people really focus hmm? Kopka. on Kopka and yeah. Kuni, and what does the word Kuni mean? We have Nihon Koku, and then we have like Satsuma no Kuni, and then we have people who are very frequently using the word Kuni to mean like their village. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going back to my Kuni. Um, Actually, as so, an aside, we watched uh, When the Last Sword is Drawn, Mibubishiden. Great and, movie. Uh, Yoshimura, the uh, main character, was asking Saito Hajime where he's from, and in Japanese, of course, he says, uh, you know, what Kuni are you from? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, you know, in the Sengoku period, presumably, you still had provinces. You still had Kai no Kuni, Owari no Kuni. And after Oda or, Te or Takeda or somebody has taken over more places, they're not going to call the whole Takeda domain Owari no Kuni or Kai, Kai no Kuni. So right, you didn't push out the border. border Takeda Shingen didn't push out the borders of Kai. Right, right. And so what are you calling it? You're calling it Takeda no Ryochi or something? Mm -hmm. Probably Ryochi, I guess, would be the right. Ryochi, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, and if that's what you're calling it, then it kind of, sort of, maybe kind of answers your question about whether we're talking about a clan thing versus... Yeah, it's actually Uga, a good right? point, is that the, the borders never changed, no matter right. what they uh, took over. I mean, the difference between Takeda no Ryochi and Shingen no Ryochi is very, very murky, and I'm not saying that solves anything, but in well, that respect. But, that's it. <laughs> no, I, because I, I guess I bring it all up, because almost slightly rhetorically, that one uh, the when one is looking at the 16th century, and if you were to draw a map of the 16th century, ultimately would it be more accurate to, to use the beautiful Takeda again, to, to write the word Takeda over their land, or to write Takeda Shingen? Are we seeing a patchwork of, of again, to use the term loosely, individual states, or are we seeing basically a patchwork of individual strong men, men. strong men, right. who, who are their own legitimacy? Right. Well, when you look at a map, uh, there's, you, you'll either have a map of the provinces, or you'll have a map of domains held by, areas right. held by the daimyo. And, 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 and they're mutually would, exclusive. Yeah, and I would suggest that, I mean, given that for, for centuries, the, 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 the Shugo, they've been, everybody's been moving around. They're really, the provinces themselves, I think, beyond geographical markers, are really kind, kind of, of meaningless. meaningless. Kind of meaningless. Yeah, no, certainly at this point they are, uh, as we get into the Sengoku period. Yeah. And uh, there, there's, I, I just read about this, there was, I think, one domain in the Edo period that was completely contiguous with, with, with one province. Yeah. Mm, and nobody else was, everybody else was that, half that province and what half I half would, province. How I would answer you um, is that it would, I hate to say this, but it would be a case by case. Because, and, and here's why, for someone like Shingen, who may have started with most of Kai when he, you know, mm -hmm. overthrew and kicked out his father, and, sent him packing, um, but then expanded his, his borders. Um, it was not a multi-generational thing that that happened. I mean, even though the Takeda had been in Kai province for century upon century and blah, 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 it, if you were trying to draw a distinction about whether it's the family or whether it's the person, I would say that it's the person. It's that, because we're mm. talking about such a short period of time, that we're looking at, it is Takeda Shingen that pushed his borders out into Shinano, that took over you know, the Kiso area um, in southern Shinano, that took Suruga, that, that made inroads into Totomi, and so that was Shingen. That was not the Takeda family over successive generations. Um, so I, it, it would certainly be the person. Now, yeah, I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the important thing, I think, in applying this as an analytical model is that we're not actually saying that you know, Takeda Shingen was his own state. Mm -hmm. We're simply, I, I, I'm simply taking it and saying we can describe his behavior vis-a-vis mm -hmm. -vis right. right. other okay. daimyo in terms of international relations theory, and to do that, I have to define him and the domains that he controlled, contiguous or not, at any given time, as a state. Right. But obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a 
it's an analogy that you can only take so far. Um, what it's I, useful for certain theoretical yes. arguments. And, stuff. Um, and another reason I would say that it's the person is if you look at, uh, I mean, I guess Katsuyori would work as an example or, or any other where, you know, one um, family head came and, you know, conquered all, all this territory or whatever, and then he dies. And then, so the next guy comes in. Well, what happens when Katsuyori takes over? Uh, we have, in you know, various retainers choosing to stay, and and various ones choosing not to. Um, if you look at the uh, Okudaida, who uh, Okudaida Sadamasa, who eventually commanded Nagashino Castle during the siege and that led up to the Battle of Nagashino, um, his family went back and forth between the Takeda and the Tokugawa. Um, and of course, because they eventually stayed on the Tokugawa side and played an important part in the Battle of Nagashino, and the Takeda eventually were wiped out. Blah blah blah. Um, they did okay. huh? They did okay. Yeah, they did okay. Um, well, they were they're they're looked back upon as this stalwart of the Tokugawa clan who were forced through negative circumstances to temporarily fall under the Takeda for a time, but they really wanted to be back with the Tokugawa so much that uh, Sadamasa left his wife and children in Katsuyori's hands and rejoined the Tokugawa once Shingen was dead, and Katsuyori, you know, knowing that Katsuyori would callously crucify his, his wife and children, which he did. Um, what? And, That's horrible. And, and which is horrible that he crucified him, or that Sadamasa knew that this was going to happen and did it anyway. Both. I mean, you know, in the That's way that it's retold in the different t stories, because the Tokugawa won and Okudaida finished on that side, it's oh how horrible was Katsuyori? But dude, you knew what was going to happen. I, I, Come I'm on, both. I yeah. Um, but I mean, that's my point: is that is that that's the way it's given handed down to us through literary sources, but. Um, do we really know what, you know, Katsuyori takes control, was Okadaida really pining away for, to, for the Tokugawa, or was it simply, mm. well, okay, Shingen's dead, Katsuyori, Ieyasu, well, I'll just make a choice, Ieyasu, I mean, right. you know, there was no, there's some lip service, or, or maybe in some cases even more lip service, paid to the, to the, to the idea of I'm loyal to the family. Um, I know I'm, a, I'm a servant of the Takeda family, for in, in this case, or I'm a servant of, you know, whatever, um, the, the Amako, the Mori. If you look at uh, um, Yamanaka Shikonosuke, mm -hmm. who had such loyalty to the Amako family that, that he went around trying to find more Amako that he could get to support in the fight against the Mori, even to the point where the Amako had said, Screw this, we're out of it. And Yamanaka went continued around to try to, hey, you know, I'll support you and convince them to go go back to fighting. But on the other hand, you have plenty of examples where guy dies and the prospects for the clan don't look so good anymore. Maybe I need to go take care of me and yeah. go side with someone else. It, it does seem like in many cases they were they were willing. Okay, we'll give this son a chance. You know, like. Well, Shingen was great. We'll see how this Katsuyori guy works out, and then we'll kind of make our decision right. on there. So maybe that it that if we like it, if one imagines for a moment, just for the sake of argument, that the state is the man, the man, the man is the state, as we might think of it. You know, clearly there was some legitimacy that would pass over to his successor. You know, which I think does push it further, a little closer to a, a slightly more modern concept of the state, where the leg his legitimacy is sort of reflected, reflected on his son, and uh, and if his son turns out okay, then you know they might stick around and, and serve him too. Um, but um, no, I, I just again I think it's it's an interesting. It's kind of again it's it's maybe splitting a lot of hairs, but I do think it's kind of an interesting um, argument, if only because a lot of in my impression, a lot of academic writing, especially the last 30 or 40 years, has been very institutional, been very focused on policies and so forth, with, without necessarily analyzing too, too heavily the, the personalities involved, the cult of personality as it might have existed at that time. But 
Certainly, and I, I think we've reached the the end yeah. of, of this one. But you know, in my twenty seven podcasts that we've done on Nagashino, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I, I I try to address that with Katsuyori and his personality and how that addresses. I think this is definitely a direction that analysis needs to go uh, in looking at these periods. It's, it's it's not a case where you can simply apply something like rational choice theory and, and assume that every single daimyo would have made these same decisions in the same position. Um, you know, any more than I can assume that you would make the same decisions, you yeah. know, when faced with the things that I have to do. So. so that's the end of part two of our daimyo discussion about uh, the concept of daimyo as independent states and sort of the corollary topics that we touched on. Hopefully you learned something and it was interesting and we will be back here next week with yet another exciting episode of the Samurai Archives podcast and Just uh, as we mention uh, every episode It's uh, always nice to get a little bit of uh, assistance in paying for the podcast So please should be feel feel free to visit the Samurai Archives bookstore powered by amazon.com also the cafe press t-shirt shop for some interesting and uh, inventive samurai related prints also, uh, everyone here shops at Amazon.com, and I'm sure all the listen listeners do too. So if you're going to shop at Amazon.com, please use our link that is on the podcast blog. The blog URL is SamuraiPodcast.com. And if you shop at Amazon via the link that I'll have up there, then you'll be giving us a tiny kickback. It won't cost you a single penny to do so, and it will help me pay for the podcast and everything else I have to pay for vis-a-vis uh, -vis the website. And so that's about it for today. So this is Chris for Travis Nate for saying thank you for listening and see you again next week. Bye. 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 Bye bye.